Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. The Bible reading today is taken from Psalm 84. When I finish reading, I would say this is the word of the Lord. You are to respond with thanks be to God. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow he nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose heart has set on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my cry, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose work is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trust in you. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. <clears throat> yeah, so happy to have you again and this Sunday in this new series that we've titled Intimacy with God. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, my name is Damdala. Um, I remember sometime, I think about three years ago, uh, myself and Tomiwa, yeah, my friend in, in church, um, we we decided to look for a place to stay together, you know. Um, so we went around, like, searched and sacked this old island, you know, looking for a place um, to stay. And on one of those days of our search, we found ourselves along um, Igboefo. I think Igboefo, Idado. This side is Igboefo, this side is Idado. So we had called this caretaker agent, and he had told us that um, oh, we're going to find a space that works for us, you know, you know, exactly what we wanted. And so we walked and walked, we've checked other places that other agents had recommended, you know, and then we found ourselves on that um, street that day. On getting to the streets, we called these agents, they would not pick up at first, we called and called, eventually he picked up and he told us that, oh, um, we can't access the place. So the place is locked, can we come back some other time? You know, we're so tired, looking for this house. For weeks so we just left that street we walked and what should we do now should we find our agents how long is it going to take us to find this house and while we we're walking down we found this huge cathedral we walked into this cathedral and it was i think it was a catholic cathedral like it was you know the ambience in this in these cathedrals now and um, the graffiti and the glass the stained glasses the um just the the, the rising tower of the cathedral, you know, you know, people have said that 
they build these cathedrals and older ones that you find in places like Italy and many parts of Europe, they build them so that people can get a sense of the awe of God, of the bigness of God. And sure, I, I did feel a sense of that. It was a long, it's been a long time since I found myself in a place like that. You know, Tomawasa, on one of the pews, been outside for a while, I was just rested. I even took a walk to the front and just spent looking at the altar. And, you know, at some point I found myself just, you know, just praying to myself and just just finding that place um, calm enough for me to talk to God. But there was still this, you know, as huge and as towering as those buildings are, yeah, it gives us, an, it gives me an awe of God, it gives me, but there is still that, um, is this God that is so big and so huge, is this close enough? You know, and I read um, sometime, Philippians, a favorite, um, a special Christian author, he wrote, a, he wrote an article and then he, he talked about how he also found himself in a chapel, he found himself in St. Peter's Basilica. You know, one time went for a vacation. So when he got there, he found this choir on that singing praises, you know. And so he was wrapped in this joy, he was wrapped in this wonder and this awe. He felt like the music was carrying him. He felt like the dome where he was standing that was designed by Michelangelo, probably the greatest artist that ever lived, you know, was carrying him. And only for him to say in the article, at the end of the article, he says this. It says that as Michelangelo's life drew to a close, he penned these lines. It says, so now from this mad passion, which made me take art for an idol and a king, I have learned the burden of error that it bore. The words frivolities have robbed me of the time that I was given for reflecting upon God. The words frivolities have robbed me of the time that I was given for reflecting upon God. We had wandered for weeks and then we found this place that was like a place of refuge, a place that we felt go more. You see, and the same for Yancy. Our lives, when we look at our lives as Christians or as non-Christians, we are not fulfilled persons who occasionally get lonely. We are not restful people who sometimes experience, we are, <clears throat> we are not fulfilled persons who occasionally get lonely. We are not restful people who sometimes experience restlessness. We are not persons who live in habitual intimacy with God and have only episodic battles of alienation from God. But what are we? We are lonely people who occasionally experience fulfillment. We are restless souls who sometimes feel restful. And we have aching hearts that have brief moments of intimacy with God. The times and space for intimacy are few and far between. What we find are longer moments and periods of distance from God. And you see, the text today, this Psalm 84, is a psalm for the restless, is a psalm for the wanderer, is a psalm for the loner, is a psalm for the homesick, is a psalm for the person who's never felt so intimate with God for a while, is a psalm for the person who has never felt so intimate with God at all. And so we've rightly tied to this one. 
at home with God. And we'll look at it in three parts. There's no place like home. Home is where your loved ones are and home away from home. So at home with God, there's no place like home, our first point. So what is this home like? See, in verse 3, we see what the psalmist says. The psalmist says that, And the swallow a nest for herself, and where she may have her young one, a place near your altar, and the swallow a nest. You see, this home, first of all, is like a place of security, a palace, a place of shelter and safety from storm, a protection from all that can harm us, a place of stability. What we are looking for in our lives is we want to feel that it's safe to give ourselves over to God. We want to feel that we will be received and not be left exposed by God. This is what every artist is questing for. A place of security, a place of stability. You see, many of us understand this very well. In fact, the perfect way to describe our relationship with God is unstable. But then some of us are kind of okay. Some of us will say, you know, you know that you are going to heaven. You know that you believe that God's word is true. You know that sin is bad and you don't disobey. You are not scared of suffering, even if it comes at times, you know, or like times it has come before. You know God will not leave you. You do your devotions on a regular. Prayer meeting and Bible study, you are there. You can even say that you are a very good Christian. And so you're asking, you know, I do all these things, right? I tick all of these boxes. I don't understand what um, this series is all about. What is, why should I be this close? What is this intimacy all about? I'm stable. You see, but there's more to being at home with God. Do you need to have a deeper and broader understanding of what it means to be intimate with him? It's in verse 1 or 2. Look at what the psalmist says. It says that my heart and my flesh cry out. It says, my soul yearns even faints. Being at home with God also means that you find God as a place that you long for. A place that you long to be. Being intimate with God means that we have a strong desire, a passion for God with all of our being, everything that we have. In the Bible, being at home with God means that it is a place where life flourishes fully, spiritually, emotionally, socially, psychologically, not just with our heads and our minds, but with our hearts and our souls. Because deep down, every one of us, we want the excitement that comes with seeking out God and discovering that the God that we are seeking has been seeking for us too. We want this spontaneity. We want this surprise. We want, yes, stability. We want a God that is constant. But we also want a God that wants us. We want to want him too. And many of us want this. You want to wake up at midnight, you know, and just pray for your non-Christian family or friends. You want to reschedule. You want to cancel your meetings because you want to study the Bible. You want to enjoy doing what God asks you to do. You know, the same way you feel so gladly, so, so inclined to do it when your babe or when your wife, your new wife asks you to do stuff. You know, how, how pleasing it is, how eager you are to do so. You see, you want to do things for God and not feel like a boss is ordering you around to do stuff. You know how your boss asks you to do stuff. You know, you don't do it the same way. When someone you love, someone is dear, someone you are chasing, asks you to do stuff, you do it willingly, but gladly. That is what we want. 
We want to be listening to sermons in church and whether online and not be distracted by our phones. You know, not even knowing when we got on our phones. We want this kind of desire and longing for God. And then some of us might say, whatever, you know, is it that serious? Or some people might say, oh, can God be that real? Can God be that close? Can God be that intimate? Look at verse 2. It says that my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. It's not a God that is far away. Not a God that stays in one place. Not a God that is an impersonal force. No. A personal, an alive, a passionate God. A God who knows that your deepest longings and desires can be fueled by him. The psalmist realizes, I want a living God. This God is alive, he's real. You can have this longing and desire for him. You see verse 1. It says that how lovely is your dwelling place. This was a temple, a very beautiful place. And the psalmist admires this place. He says, how lovely, how amiable, how beautiful, how dear. But he knows that this dwelling place is not living. It's not the living thing. It's not alive. It's not passionate. You see, he knows that this dwelling place, the architecture of this dwelling place cannot satisfy him. The psalmist knows that this dwelling place is lovely only because God is there. Let's not even try to deceive ourselves. We find many things lovely in themselves apart from God. You know, that job or busy schedule that has kept you from God, is it not lovely? Like when your boss calls you aside and said, all the time you've spent in office day and night has paid off. We're going to promote you. That busy schedule has kept you away from church, kept you away from God's people, kept you away from... Being intimate with him, he says, I pat you on the back and says, You get a promotion. Isn't that lovely? Or when you finally secure that contract that's taking you away from God for so long, and you even make the money, you know, and you give part of it to City Church or you give part of it to help the poor, isn't that not lovely? That new Netflix series that you binge watch all night and you find it hard to pray, but you find it hard to pray for even five minutes. That series with the brilliant plots and the brilliant actors. Isn't it not lovely? See, if you watch that series and you are able to have good conversations, you know, you build this relationship with your colleagues, is that not lovely? See what John Piper says, the pastor. It says, the greatest enemy of hunger for God is not poison, but apple pie. It is not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven, but endless nibbling at the table of the world. It is not the X-rated video, but the prime time dribble of triviality we drink in every night. For all the ill that Satan can do when God describes what keeps us from the banquet table of his love, it is a piece of land, a yoke of oxen, and a wife. The greatest adversary of love to God is not his enemies, but his gift. And the most deadly appetites are not for the poison of evil, but for the simple pleasures of earth. For when these replace an appetite for God himself, the idolatry is scarcely recognizable and almost incurable. This is how we wander off from home with God. 
Because, see, we are all looking for a relationship with something or with somebody that is stable, yet spontaneous. We are all looking for a relationship with somebody or with something that is secure, but it has to be sweet. We are all looking for a relationship with something or with somebody that is loving, yes. That is dutiful, yes. That is responsible, but it has to be desirable. Things of this life, the good things of this life are so sweet, so precious to us. Than the very God who gives them to us most of the time. And so we spend most of our time, most of our lives away from Him and occasionally dabble into His presence. But listen to me. Listen to me. Some of us have been in relationships with people that we knew were not good for us. As if we really liked them. We had feelings for them. They were beautiful. They had good jobs. They came from wealthy families. But deep down, you knew that this thing is just a fling. Deep down, you knew that it cannot end in marriage. You knew it was not worth it. You said to yourself, I can't build a home with this guy. No, no, no. I can't, I can't make a home with this lady. No way. And you ended things. How much more the things that are keeping us from being at home with God? Why so hard? Some of us have continued in those relationships. Some of us even ended up marrying those people. And what did we get? We were abused. We were betrayed. We were cheated on. We were spent. We wasted time. We wasted life. We couldn't have a happy home. You see? All these things that you are infatuated with, all these things that you want to build your life with, will do the same to you or will continue to disappoint you if you do not break things off now. There is a perfect gentleman, a nice, kind, loving, precious, handsome has everything that he could possibly desire, who has been waiting on you, who has been waiting for you. God is saying, give me a chance. He's proposing. He's saying, let's do life together. Come be home with me. Why so hard, sister? Is it going to happen or not, brother? So we are wondering, is it possible for me to ever be at home with God? I have tried everything I can. Yes, it is possible. It is possible. It is possible. Look at verse 3. It says, even the sparrow has found a home. Even the sparrow has found a home. Glory. The sparrow, that most common of birds, that sparrow, that most restless of birds. You see, the sparrow is the most widely distributed bird on the planet. You can find them almost everywhere. They know they stay one place. And the psalmist looks into the dwelling place of God and sees the sparrow there. He says, even the sparrow, ah, it has found home with God. I'm speaking to you. No matter how far you have drifted from God, no matter how sore your relationship with him, no matter the number of other things or other gods that you have tried or people that you have tried, you can find home with God. So where is this home? How do you find it? So that brings us to 
The second point, home is where your loved ones are. And so you see, for us to have intimacy with God in our first point, we see that God has to be all that we have. We have to realize that God is all that I have. Stability and security. But that is not enough. You also have to realize that God is all that I want. God has to be all that you want and God has to be all that you have. All that I want. A place of desire, of completeness, longing. When God means this to us, we are at home with him. We are on the path to increasing intimacy with him. You see something in verse 4? The psalmist wanted to say, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. For what? For they are ever praising you. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, for they are ever praising you. See, the psalmist now switches from like my, a personal, to they and those. Intimacy with God is fueled by community much more than we think, much more than our our culture make us see, much more than even Christendom has made us believe. It reminds me of a PDD song. Um, PDD song I was listening to the other, way, the other day. Um, Coming Home, that beautiful chorus by Skylar Gray in the PDD car. And he says, and when PDD started up, he said something like, he said, is your house a home when your loved ones are gone? Is your house a home when your loved ones are gone? You see, those that dwell in your house. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 to 17, we see, we see what Paul says. Paul says that, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? You see, because today, we don't, we don't have to worship. We don't worship in Israel's temple. God no longer dwells in that place, per se. But Paul is showing us here what the temple means in our time. He says, don't you know that you yourselves, speaking to the Corinthian church, are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in your midst. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. And you together at that temple, at that dwelling place. But is our reality not the opposite? Church is exactly where you left for you. Church is exactly where you left in order to find home with God. Church is full of irritating people, boring folks, high seven sisters, pretentious brothers, fake and promiscuous pastors. So how can it be? Church that has done so much evil, wrecked so much havoc in this world, be the place to find God, intimacy with God, really? This is several years ago. Carlo Carreto, one of the great spiritual writers um, of the time, he returned to Italy from Sarah Desert, you know, after many years as a monk among the Bedouin. And then he wrote a spiritual testimony titled, I Sought and I Found. You know, within this, he just chronicles his struggles with God, you know, and he ends the book with a letter, a love letter addressed to the church. And see what he says, a paraphrase of the opening line. See what he says. He says, how much I must criticize you, my church, and yet how much I love you. You have made me suffer more than anyone, and yet I owe you more than I owe anyone. I should like to see you destroyed, and yet I need your presence. You have given me much scandal, and yet you alone have made me understand holiness. 
Never in the world have I seen anything more obscurantist, more compromised, more false. Yet, never have I touched anything more pure, more generous, or more beautiful. Countless times I have felt like slamming the door of my soul in your face. And yet, every night I have prayed that I might die in your sure arms. No, I cannot be free of you, for I am one with you, even if not completely you. Then too, where should I go? To build another church? But I cannot build another church without the same defects, for they are my own defects. And again, if I were to build another church, it would be my church, not Christ's church. No, I am old and I know better. A man who sought God away from community and then he realized later in his life and said, no. The church community is the place where God has ensured and guaranteed that we will find genuine intimacy with him. You see what the psalmist says? See, this is psalmist in verse 10. This is very, this is, I want us to take note of this. In verse 10, the psalmist wanted to say something like, he said, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I love the message translation. Look at how Eugene Peterson puts it in the message translation. It translates that elsewhere as Greek island beaches. Greek island beaches. I have never been to Greek island beaches, but it sounds lovely. It looks lovely like when you, when you Google it on the internet. And the one that me, I can afford is Takwa Bay Beach. Takwa Bay. And me and my, me and my wife love spending time in you know, Takwa Bay. You know, my wife, Sarah, loves to, you know, let off steam, you know, stress in you know, the beach. And I've come to enjoy it over time. Very lovely place. But then we have a friend, um, a couple, um, Saeed and Camille, who spend, um, who have a house on Takwa Bay Beach. And so we're supposed to go to the beach a few weeks ago. And I met her, we're going, are you guys going to be around? He said, no, we're not going. I said, oh, what's up now? He said, ah, they just, they spent like a month in the house, like uh, on the beach house. And uh, ah, like by the third week, like they were just tired, you know, just, and they were, They've not gotten a space, like they were looking for a space. They want to get another house, like a real apartment. But they spent the money and it was just boring and they were tired of the place. That after two weeks, it was already, they were done. So I'm done with the place. And look at week that we are always longing for to go every time. You say, no, no. It gets to a point where it tires you. It gets to a point where the beauty, the longing, the desire for it fades. You see, what we want is something that will never fade in your eyes. What we want is a closeness with God that lasts. For instance, how many of us are longing for church to resume? Or how many of us are saying, oh, thank God, ah, I don't have to deal with all those people, all those brothers, those dirty, nuisance people, blah, blah, blah. Let's just stay. As in this thing, pay me. It's good. Everybody can fellowship. Everybody's fine in his house. And that is not the attitude that is required of us here if we're going to grow in intimacy. See, this is how it looks like. You see, the Bible says, "Better is one day in the courts of of your of, of your house, speaking to God, than a thousand elsewhere." You see, some people consider the church community bad. Some people say it's bad, and these people are like sparrows that just fly over the house of God. They don't perch there. They don't find a home there. They don't build a nest for their young there. They just fly over. They see little or no good in church. They stay far away. They prefer elsewhere, different elsewheres. You see, there is a limit to how close you can get. 
intimate with God. No matter how much of a Christian you are, there's a limit. Another category of people consider community to be good. Say it's good, no, it's good. They think the church community is okay. They think it's cool. You know, some of these people hang around in church. You know, we stay, we double in, double out. Or some people even stay well, like they serve. They even give, they do much. But they think that they can get what they can get from the church elsewhere. They feel, oh yeah, what the church is doing is good. It's not bad at all. But this is not really special. I can find communities, I can find growth elsewhere, I can find other ways to be born, to intimate. You say there is a limit to how close you can get with God. But oh, those people who believe that a church community, complete with its flaws, with all the boring people, with all the dirty, growing people, people of various stages and distances and gaps from God, with all of these flaws, all those people who believe that complete with these four flaws, that the church is still better than elsewhere. Theirs is the longing. Theirs is the desire. Theirs is the intimacy with God. Let them press on. See, this is how it works. You, you look, look at that small graph, um, graphic on your screen. You see, bad and good keeps you in a place of apathy and indifference. Willingness. I don't care. But when you see the church community and God's church to be better, it moves you into the space of longing and desire without which there is no intimacy. So what else do we see about this church community? You see in verse 5, see what the psalmist says. He says, Blessed are those whose strength is in God, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. You see, growing into intimate with God is a journey. And this is sad. You know, because we live in a, you know, we live in a, we can't, we can't wait on the Q culture. We live in a, do you know somebody in immigration? Do you know someone um, um, at the post office culture? We want the logistics guy, we want the delivery guy to always bring it to us. You see, but this intimacy with God we will not get from just attending retreats, from just attending crusades, from just attending conferences. No. It does not come from just listening to a new speaker or even listening to a new sermon series. No. So we want this intimacy as quick and as impersonal as possible. But God is saying there is a limit to how close you can get with me that way. Personal devotion is very good and necessary, but it's only a preparation for corporate worship, which is the real transforming experience. For instance, when we gather together corporately as a body on Sunday or whatever day we gather to sing, to pray, to gather with God's people. See, when we sing hymns, these hymn writers are using music to express truths that touch not just our heads, but our hearts. But when you sing indescribable love, it gets to you in a way with other people. That he does it on your own. You see, Eugene Peterson speaks again of the pastor. See what he says in when gathering together of the importance of the efficacy of community for intimacy. He says, the pastor who has just lived through six days of doubt, ought, faith, and blessing with the worshippers, speak the truth of scripture in the language of the congregation's present experience. You see, through counseling and through the giftings of this pastor. The pastor is aware of the common pitfalls of Legosians, for instance, in our church. 
is aware of the common pitfalls, temptations of people like you. And he brings God's word with power to help you, to guide you. This is something you won't have alone. This is something you cannot have all by yourself. If you choose to go only the personal route. See, this is an analogy that I've always found helpful. I heard it from Pastor Tim Keller um, in the US. He speaks about C.S. Lewis. Um, I think it's one of his books where he had lost his friend, Jack. There were, there were a group of four friends who constantly met together. And Jack had died, um, leaving, them, leaving him with, you know, um, with um, Charles and Ronald. And so he said, oh, he felt like, oh, since Jack had not died in London, he was sad. But he felt like, oh, this means that he'll be able to get as much now from, um, from Ronald and from Charles as much as possible. But over time, he, he realized that, oh, there's a certain smile, there's a certain reaction. There's a certain thing that only Jack can bring out of Charles. There's a certain thing that only Jack can bring out of Ronald. And now that Jack is no more, he would never be able to get that part. That part of Charles, that part of Ronald is lost forever. There are certain jokes that only Jack can tell. And he, he, he brings out this, this kind of reaction from me. There are certain things that only Jack sees that will only bring this kind of reaction from them. They've lost Jack and they've lost that forever. And he says that, you see, if that can happen with a finite human being, how much more with the infinite God? The more diverse, the broader, the bigger the community of people that we worship with, the clearer picture, the clearer the picture of God we get, the more accurate the knowledge of God we have. And the more we know God, the more we know these distinct parts that our brother, that our pastor, that our sister, that our Jesus leader, that our usher can only bring out from God in worship, in studying, in praying, in meeting together, the closer we grow with God. See, another importance of this community. You know, going to meet with God as you've tried, as you've labored, is hard. It's not easy. You've tried over and over again. You, there are days when you, you have these long droughts, you know, you just go down. You, you can't get yourself to read the Bible. You can't get yourself to believe in God. You've lost something. You've lost somebody. Things are just bad. And then you just went to GC, went to gospel community, and just a word, just an opinion, just a word of prayer. You know, that someone gave, spurred you up, gingered you. You've tried all by your best, but you couldn't bring yourself up. But just find yourself in that moment, brought you up. He says that as we go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The valley of Baca is a place of weeping. It means that we experience dryness, we experience wetness, but in community together, we can make it, they make it a place of springs. You see, and if that is not enough, you see, you see, if we try our best and we can't make it a place of spring, it says that the rain, the autumn rains come down to fill it with pools. You see, God would not leave us to ourselves when we are in community. God draws closer to us. God helps us to become more intimate with him the more we spend. The more time and space that we share with our community. It says that they go from strength to strength till each appears before Zion. The number of reasons that we may gather in church. Oh, some of us, we gather in church to connect with culture, to socialize, to expose our children to religion, to be entertained, to sing good songs, 
just because it's a familiar ritual. No, the psalmist is saying that, you see, till each appears before Zion, mere gathering together will not do us any good unless we say, I'm coming here to find God. I'm coming here to grow intimate with God. I'm not coming here because I have to, because I've signed a membership booklet. Because if I don't come, pastor will not call me. Oh, because if pastor will call me. If I don't come, oh, what will they say? What will I be doing? I don't say no. If that is the kind of art and mindset you have, intimacy with God is a far cry from you. You see, there is, there are times when you're in a relationship with a person and you're so in love with them, you're so infatuated with their goodness, with everything about them, and you know, you just think like they're the best thing that happened um, since your father rise, you know, since um, I gave you bread. And you just feel like, people tell you, that guy is stingy, you know, you don't know, he just likes saving, he's, he's, he's very, he's frugal. We think, ah, oh, that babe, that babe is not, it's not kind, though. Like, how would she talk to someone like that? I say, no, now. See, there are things in relationship that you can't see by yourself, that you've only been able to escape out of those relationships because people are around you, because you're close friends, because you're close family, because you're pastor, because you're just ah, you can't see, love has blinded your eyes. Look at that, it's not, don't go with that person. The same way with Christian community. You see, we will fall, we will stumble, and may not rise, and may not grow intimately in. Only if we are around these people who can always point us to things, to other gods, other people that we are trying to tie ourselves to, that are trying to find home with, that are not good for us. Yeah, so you see, when we cherish the church community, the community of God's people, and see how significant it is to our growing intimacy with God. As the psalmist says, says we go from strength to strength. We go from strength to strength. They go from strength to strength till each appear before Zion. Till each of us. None of us will be left up. None of us will be we we'll perish along the way. None of us will not make it. See, all of us, if we have this kind of mind. You see, for us to have this home, for us to have this, this access, for us to draw this close, what ultimately made this possible? What ultimately made this work? You know, it's Jesus. It is said that Jesus in Philippians 2, Paul has said that, see, Jesus left his own home. Jesus left his heavenly home. He came to the earth. He left the Father whom He had been with forever, so intimate with. He left and came because of us. You see, and when He came, He said He was, you see, He lived, but He wasn't even born in His home. He was born away from His home in a manger, away from His home. And when He was killed, He was taken outside the city, taken outside the city gate. He goes to the outside, carried his cross outside, and he was slaughtered, crucified outside the city gate. Why? So that we can have this access, so that we can even speak of a God that draws so near to us, so that we can even speak of a God that we can feel, that we can be intimate with, that we can be close with. It is Jesus that makes this possible. You see, but as we read, as we've been reading in our gospel community, where we meet, where we've been bonding, you know, this just this, this week, some, some of us have read, some of us have come becoming. We started reading a book called Eternity Changes Everything. What's, what's, what's the book about? And in chapter four, we find we started talking about oh the future. 
you know how in the future we're going to have this we're going to have that some things in this world will go some things will remain and some things will come anew some things that have been in eating it garden of eden and some new things that are not in this world sickness will go and we'll have this perfect life we'll have this place but he says you see all of these things are not enough say even what to come if we have everything renewed if we have everything perfect and then we have no god there you see, chapter is that you see, you see, and it will dare dwell there. If God does not dwell there, somebody said that it made no sense. I mean, the writer said it makes no sense eventually. And he illustrated this with an example. He said when he goes for vacation at times, you know, to his grandmas and grandparents when he was young, and he was gonna have chocolates, they're gonna go for um playtime, they're gonna swim, they're gonna do all sorts of things. You see, but when they arrive, it is his grandparents, it's his grandpa, his grandma that he rushes to meet, that he rushes to embrace. He's not asking them first of all oh, chocolate or this because he knows that once he has his once with his grandma or with his grandpa, those things are guaranteed, those things are sure. See, as much as we'll find a home here with God, you know, if we cherish a community, there is a home that is away from home. As in the true home that is away from this home that we might have with him. Home that is to come. You see, if the church in this time will not mediate God fully, it will not need, mediate God totally, purely. But then, you see, in Revelations 21 and Revelations 22, what does John the writer say? He says that we will see God face to face. You see, in this psalm, the psalm says that for the Lord is a sun and shield. What did John say? John said that the Lord will be the light of this city, the Lord will be the light of this home, the Lord will be the sun. undying indescribable intimacy with him this is what we long for this is what we look forward to you know for those who do not access him who do not go through Christ Jesus what do they have they have total separation you see in this life you still have some kind of connection you still have the rain that falls on children of God, of God falls on everyone you see this rain this sun shines on everyone but in the world to come if we do not put our trust in Christ, if we do not accept Him, it says that you will be totally, eternally separated from Him. And so I'm urging us all, no matter how close you are to God, no matter how far you are from Him, now is the hour for you to cry out like the psalmist. Cry out for the living God. Hear my prayer, God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob wrestle like Jacob wrestled with him and say I cannot remain where I am oh this personality is not enough for me I want to be so intimate with you this distance I will not be satisfied with cry out like Jacob I want to leave us with two questions this is how you constantly check how intimate you are with him when you think of God. You see, what comes into your mind when you think of God? That will be the most important thing about you. That is the most important thing about you. And when you think of God's community, you see, what comes into your mind? That is also the next important thing about you. for listening to the gospel in lagos we pray you've been blessed by this message to learn more about city church visit 
www.citychurchlagos.com City Church. Love Jesus. Love people. Love Lagos.